The autumn wind is a pirate. Welcome, Raider Nation, to the Raider Nation podcast. I'm your host, Raider Greg, back in the house. Yes, this is show 547, folks. 547 podcast to you, the Raider Nation, and I'm sure people who have been forced to listen to me <laughs> over the years. You know, strange times, been a long time between shows now. March 19th was on my last show. And we got a lot to talk about, so let's dive into uh, this show. We'll get into what's on it, and then we'll do a little preliminary about what's happening, at least from what I can see. No, right, Raider Nation, on today's show, we will have the season premiere. Who are we playing? When and what that team looks like now. It's kind of strange. NFL is kind of a wild ticket, as far as I'm concerned. But a lot of changes happened in the league over this year, and it's been kind of fogged over by the recent events. So we'll talk about that. The Raider Nation has a house. That's right. Las Vegas Raiders in the house, announced during the COVID. It was kind of a, again, fogged over a bit, but a substantial change in the Raiders. We have a house. It's our own. And when people go there, they're going to the true and only black hole. I love it. I can't wait. We're going to talk about that. A little about the draft. A little bit about me. I hope to talk about you. And we'll search the bone lines, see if there's any line bone lines there, so we can share those comments with you all. Nice to be back. It's been kind of weird to be away. And I'll tell you why. I'd like to start off by saying, I pray that all of you and your family has done well in this crazy time of COVID. Let me tell you, as a paramedic for as long as I've been one, and the things that I've seen, and the other diseases that have flashed through the country, this is a different proportion. I'm blessed that I'm not working, and I pray for those who are. You know... (laughs) <laughs> it has been tough to do a show. It's been, I've been locked down from most everything. So I'm coming back. We have to come back, have to come back to reality because football will be back. We will be back as a nation, um, which also strikes me into another subject that, you know, <laughs> I got to tell you, for me, you know, my life story raised in the military. Matter of fact, in Alabama, Mississippi, We didn't live on base. We didn't live away from the people. We always lived in the neighborhood. Even in Japan, we lived in the hood. So I really didn't see color. And I know that's hard for people to hear, but I just saw people. And you know, the thing I didn't see and I didn't hear it from them because they didn't complain about it to me was how unjust it's been in this country for them. And... It's a crazy concept, so for me, it hurts me. It hurts me that it's taken this long 
hurts me that's still going on. And because these are my brothers and sisters, um, in more ways than one, it's crazy. So I just want to say, for me, um, that has to get fixed, has to get fixed right now, and I'm all in on whatever it takes. When I went to Raider game, I never thought of color, ever. I just thought of our fans, people, great people, of every, every color, every nationality. I just think that's special about the Raider fan in general. Uh, very welcoming, very warm to everybody. And that's how I've always felt. You know, it's funny. My father had severe discrimination in New York. He's Puerto Rican, a short brown man. And um, he told me some crazy stories. But I never experienced those stories. So I hope that nobody... Nobody has to do that in the near future. Let's get that fixed, shall we? There's a stiller on my shoulder, can I kill it? There's a charger on my shoulder, can I kill it? All right. On to the schedule for the Las Vegas Raiders. There's a stiller on my shoulder, can I kill it? There's a charger on my shoulder, can I kill it? There's a bronco on my shoulder, can I kill it? The Raider Nation in the house, can you feel it? Five foot six and I'm all up in the mix. Sunday morning, gotta get my rate of fix. First game is away. It's at Carolina against the Panthers. My Blue Kitties. I don't know what sound that was, but it wasn't the right one. Give me a break. It's been a minute. Anyways, my Blue Kitties, um, they're not a bad team, but I think we're going to win that game. First game of the season. Can't touch this. I think we got some good toys. Our offense is really seasoned, if you look at them. I think we can go into Carolina and, and really win that game. So I'm putting a W on the first game of the season. Now, second game of the season is the Saints. They come to town. The Saints ain't no joke. They're not a great away team, but they're a great team. Uh, that's going to be a tough, tough game. We could win, but I think we might not. So that I'd put an L on. The thrill is gone. The thrill is gone away. Next, we've traveled to the frigid stadium. Not really, because it's early in the season. The New England not-so-patriots, we're going to see them this year. In the third week of the season, we go to see the Tom Brady-less Patriots. It'll be funny to see how they play. I don't think they're going to be any near, anywhere near they, where they were. Uh, in the third week of the season, I think we could certainly beat the Patriot Rats with our offense and defense. The defense we have is much improved. I say again, a win. Yo, sound the bell, school is in, sucker. Hammer time. It's hammer go, hammer empty hammer, yo. Hammer and the rest can't go in play. Can't touch this. So that's two wins and a loss in the first three games. Buffalo. Traveling. Buffalo is, um, that's a tough team. They're playing very well. They're not real spoken of in the league at all. 
because they never have been until they've been in the playoffs. The Buffalo Bills are a strong team, very tough. I think we might pull the L off in that one. But, um, yeah, that that would be a tough, tough game. And it looks to me in our first four games, we'll be a two-win, two-loss. That's my prediction. And then we go to the Kansas City Chiefs, go to their house. And, well, what can I say? They're a juggernaut. They're not going to change from last season very much. We should be able to play them hard, but I still think it's going to be a tough win. The thrill is gone, baby. The thrill is gone away. And then the game of the year comes next. The Tampa Bay Suckaneers are coming to Las Vegas. <laughs> Gruden's old team comes back with our arch nemesis, Tom Brady. They've got a good team. Um, but I think there's too much emotion there for the Las Vegas Raiders. I think it'll be a froth fest. I think we'll win this game in Vegas. We'll beat them and Brady and send them packing back to the South. Next game, Cleveland. In Cleveland, Brownies. They're way improved. Uh, that, make no mistake, they're uh, they're going to be a tough team to beat. Uh, if they get it together at all, they'll be near impossible to beat with the talent they have in their roster. We'll see if they've got it together by week eight, whether they're going the way up or on the way down. That'll make a big difference on the prediction of that match because the Browns can be hot and cold. I suspect they'll be hot. They got the talent to be. Oh, then we go to L.A. That's right. Come back to the L.A. Chargers, which their stadium again will be full <laughs> of Raider fans. I love it. I can't believe how cool that is. I think we're going to beat the Chargers without Phillip Rivers or with them. I know we'll beat it without him. I think we could take this down and do a good job of it. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. Week 10. The Bronco Hoes travel to Oakland. <laughs> Bronco Hoes, um, they've got an improved team, but I still think we can beat the Bronco Hoes. Then we travel, uh, then the Chiefs travel to Las Vegas, and I think we'll beat us again. Then we travel uh, to the Falcons. The Falcons, uh, that's a hot and cold team. I'm saying that's going to be a W. Watch me! Watch me! I got it! Watch me! I got it! Hey! The Jets. I don't know, man. Jets are powerful. They're strong and they're brutal. Uh, they'll have a good season next year. I think that might be the L. And when the blue snowflakes 
on to the Colts with Phillip Rivers. Um, not going to be much of an improvement. They'll be a better team because their line is way better. Uh, Phillip could have a pretty good day. I still think it's a W for the Raiders. Hey! I got something that makes me want to shout. I got something that tells me what it's all about. Then again, we play L.A., the Chargers. I think that could also be another W. I got soul, and I'm super bad. Then we play, of course, the Dolphins. I think that could be a W. I got soul, and I'm super bad. And then, of course, again, we play the Broncos. I think that could be a W. Sometimes I feel so nice. Good God. I jump back. I want to kiss myself. I've got soul. <laughs> and I'm super bad. Hey! I think they all could be a W. I go around the world from London to the Bay. I think our team is on a precipice of winning. I think we're on a way and on a wave of talent, young talent, good coaching. With Martinelli in the house, watch out. Our defense is going to change like night and freaking day. The blitzes are going to be crazier. There'll be more of them. And I know that he's not the head coach yet, but he is going to make some serious moves on our defense to improve it. I think our team's going to be outstanding. I know Derek Carr is the biggest question of the frickin' year. Um, Now, I'm going into another story, but what the hell. Now, Derek Carr, yes, we all thought, we all thought maybe, maybe there's a trade. Perhaps, maybe we're waiting for Mariota to jump in and, That could be the plan for next year. I have no idea. I don't think that's a smart idea, but who knows? I do know that Derek Carr is under fire. If you don't get it together this year, he will definitely not be in Las Vegas next year. So watch for a for sale sign. (laughs) If he ain't playing so good, watch for a sale sign there in Henderson because he might not be with the team in the coming seasons. Uh, saying that, I think the coach is doing a good job. I think uh, the team's doing a pretty good job. I think our talent level is increasing. And with this COVID thing, it screwed everybody. This is the benefit of everybody going to suffer the same consequences. Nobody's practicing. Nobody's doing anything. So I'm hoping and praying that the Raiders have a plan in place to get these guys into a playbook somehow into it on video, video classes together. Something to start this formation of a team like we saw last season, where they start to play for each other, which is what we need to see. That extra effort just to make it so for your teammates. That's what I'm seeing out of this team, and I think it's getting better, and it'll keep getting better uh, once we rock out of this COVID thing. And I'm looking at maybe a, a vaccine, Hell, let's hope so, because that would change the entire world as we know it, uh, especially our world here in the United States of America and our absolute life and the way it's been.
Crazy, huh? I think so, too. On that note, that's what I think about the season. I think we got a lot of good things to look forward to because other teams have changed so much. It'll be an exciting season. You know, I've been looking at old football games. I'm getting pumped up for the season. I'm excited about how things will happen. Um, with or without Derek Carr, I know his will be his last year if you don't put it together. So either we're going to get it together or we're going to get a new quarterback. Uh, that's what I think about that. And uh, well, let's move on to another subject, shall we? Let's talk a little Allegiant Stadium, shall we? Bright light said it gonna set my soul, gonna set my soul on fire. Got a whole lot of money that's ready to burn, so get those stakes up higher. Oh, there's blackjack and poker and the roulette wheel. A fortune won and lost on every deal. All you need is strong heart and a nerve steel. Viva Las Vegas! Las Vegas Raiders' new home, this epic icon in the desert. Looks like a magnificently huge black hockey puck. It's beautiful. It's really pretty. And it's massive. It's bigger than I even imagined it being. Uh, Fortunately for me, well, we'll see what happens. Uh, My wife and I are supposed to see Garth Brooks there um, in August, but we shall see. Hope they have it. Uh, If they do, I'll get a good chance to see the stadium for the first time. But so far, it looks amazing. The training facility, which is activated, they backed up the trucks in the middle of the the night, (laughs) just like they did when they moved to Los Angeles. They did the same thing. This time, they backed up the trucks. They loaded all the stuff from from Alameda and trucked it all to Las Vegas. And their facility there is complete. They're just doing the ins and outs of the fields. And that's where they're going to do practice. That's where their new training camp is going to be this year, which will be great because it's brand new. I mean, what an advantage is that? Most teams go elsewhere. Most teams go somewhere else for training camp. And uh, that's not going to happen for them. So they're going to be in a quandary. Whereas the Raiders, this is the first time this facility ever be used. Very nice, special, and close to the big, uh, the big stadium. It's huge. It's it's amazing. So if you get a chance to look at it, check out on Raiders.com and look at this monster because it is truly a mammoth <laughs> stadium. I never in my life thought that the Raiders would have something like this. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing they do. Uh, They're near being finished. That training facility is epic. Same color scheme. Same everything. Um, It's wild. On this week's Adam Schefter podcast, we are joined by the legendary broadcaster Brent Musburger, who is now the lead broadcaster and managing editor at Vegas Stats and Information Networks with the Supreme Court decision that sets up the legalization of gambling in potentially all states down the line. Brent Musburger obviously is the subject of many requests, a very busy man, and we are thankful that he was able to squeeze us into that schedule this past week. You're next up, lad. Your pick has got to be in in 15 minutes. <laughs> oh, God. I was, I wanted more time with the great Brent Musburger. I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to tell the Brent Musburger life story. I haven't given you the book rights yet. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, I would have bid for them, Brent. I would have bid big money. 
<laughs> what is this going to do to sports now and five and ten years from now? Well, I think you're going to see more prominent advertising uh, for sports gambling sites and casinos and things like that. Adam, I would guess that the NFL uh, would be able to charge high rates for advertising for the various big-time casinos in New Jersey and and Nevada, some of the chains that extend down to the Gulf Coast and everything. Uh, That would be a big impact. And it's going to change the media from the standpoint that uh, at ESPN, that scroll uh, just prior to the kickoffs of the games on Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Mm -hmm. that will update the the latest line movement because sometimes there's a little bit of a half-point change. The over-under number might point and a half, a couple points move, something like that. Broadcasters will feel, uh, you know, freer when they announce that somebody has covered a spread uh, later in a game without just simply talking to their analyst during a commercial break. Uh, so it becomes a more open discussion of uh, of what's going on with the game within the game. Now, listen, mm-hmm. most people don't bet. Let's let's be perfectly honest. It is a it is a sizable portion of the audience. The NFL has had difficulty over the last two or three years when it comes to television ratings. And because of this interest, it would be my prediction that the television ratings will start to bounce back up because of the new gambling laws. It's going to do nothing but help the NFL, NBA, and hockey, and certainly baseball, which probably needs more help than anybody right now. I noticed last week, when, last time I checked, the ratings were off this year in Major League Baseball. So they need more help than anybody else. But don't you think that gambling, it's always been a part of football, Brent, always. Yes. Now you can talk about it. Yes. You get it out of the back alleys. You get it out of the underground. The executives who have been scared to death of the front office of the NFL no longer have to do that. It's legal for someone to make a bet on a game so it can be intelligently discussed and not coyly mentioned as uh, al and i have done uh, throughout the years <laughs> yes football and, and chris berman too by the way do, do you think that we the day will come where we actually get sports books inside stadiums so that people who are attending a cowboys packers game can all of a sudden bet on the things going on right in front of them yes and no i'm not sure that that's around the corner uh but if you take a look at the U.K., in all of the major soccer venues, there's someone who has the rights, and that will be a money-making issue for the National Football League. I don't think that's going to happen, Adam, uh, immediately, to tell you the truth. I think that might be decades down the road. But, yes, there will come a day. Now, whether or not they're going to allow actual in-game, I'm not sure. They'll probably start out with pre-game. Maybe you can make a halftime wager. Uh, but that would give the league the opportunity to get a piece of the action going forward. But I think that's a long, long way down the road, to tell you the truth. Brent, have you always bet on football? No. When? Uh, Jimmy the Greek led me astray, lad. I'm blaming <laughs> him. The Greek loved to bet horses. He was addicted to betting on horses. And he would take me, and these guys, uh, they basically had an eraser and a piece of chalk and a chalkboard hanging up. And somebody on a ladder would be erasing the odds and, and putting the numbers up there, and the Greek would would make a bet. And I met these people around there. And then and then the Greek uh, said, you know, football, football, that's the best. So <laughs> we would we would go over to the Barbary Coast, which was uh, owned by 
Michael Gunn, and this became a little bit later as the Greek became part of the NFL Today family after I had moved over to television. Yeah. So he said, I love, I love the Barbary. I love Mr. Gunn because on a parlay cards, ties win. So the Greek took me over, and of course I'd put down a $5 bill on a, on a three-teamer or a four-teamer and uh, usually donate to the uh, state coffers out here in Nevada. <laughs> but, that's, but that's basically, basically Adam, how, how I got involved with it. And then, of course, we took the Greek. Uh, Bob Wessler's idea was to add the Greek after the first year of the NFL today, where we had Irv Cross and Phyllis George. And he called me in the summer, and uh, I was in Montana. And he said, Brent, do you know Jimmy the Greek? And I laughed, and I said, I, I know him very well. I said, I'm a friend of his. We're acquaintances. We've we've hung out together in Vegas. He said, I'd like to add him to the NFL today. I said, well, that will be good. But I said, the only thing I'd ask for is I want a meeting with the Greek and me and you with Commissioner Pete Rozelle. (laughs) And obviously, that's a very good idea. We should do that. So we had the meeting. I had known Pete Rozelle from way back when he was a PR man, and later I would run into him at racetracks. He loved to bet the races. <laughs> yep. And I thought, this is, a, this is a leg in our favor, okay? And it was. Uh, Pete understood the publicity that could be gathered by putting the Greek on that show, but he did ask us during that meeting, would you please refrain from saying that a team is a three-point favorite or a seven-and-a-half-point favorite or a ten-point favorite? We went through about three numbers, and the Greek and I kind of looked at each other, but I knew it was a deal breaker. And I said, yeah, yeah, sh- certainly, Commissioner. We can, we can work around that. And, uh, and I was glad I was uh, seated far enough away from the Greek that he couldn't kick me under the table. <laughs> but I knew it was our only chance. So, so back we go, and uh, Mike Pearl was yep. the producer. Bob Fishman was the director. <laughs> and we sat around, and I believe it was Mike's idea uh, how about we use a checkboard? And if the Greeks got enough checks on one side, people will know that he expects a blowout. And uh, and I said, yeah, let's let let's try that. So that's how the checkboard wow. originated. It was a Greek himself who wanted the intangibles, the intangibles at the bottom. The Greek, interestingly enough, was a very good friend also of Al Davis's. Al hmm. Al was very interested in the whole gambling apparatus uh, surrounding football, and he and the Greek became very, very good friends. And so on the intangibles check, uh, let's say that the Denver Broncos uh, were playing uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. And if the intangibles check was on the Kansas City Chiefs, I pretty much knew where we were headed, okay? (laughs) Because I said, Greg, what's that check? What's that check mark there behind? Uh, We understand that there's a little turmoil in the Broncos' locker room, okay? So-and-so is not getting along with such-and-such. So I knew that I went back and looked at the NFL schedule that a couple of weeks down the road, the Broncos would be playing the Oakland Raiders. And I knew that the Greeks' last phone call every night before he put his list together was with Al Davis. So really, the puppeteer for the intangibles was Al Davis, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. Hey, (laughs) yeah. Okay. And so that's that's how it all got started with, uh, with the Greek, and that's how... I got interested in betting on football. Brent, you're in Vegas. I got to ask you, how is football in the NFL going to fare there once the Raiders officially arrive? You know, it's funny you're asking me. I'm I'm looking out the uh, window of Arlene and my the condo that we we rent, which is uh, a high rise, and I'm looking down on the location right now, 
And I will tell you that Mark Davis comes around a lot and watches the Golden Knight games down here. He comes to town frequently to talk with the, the contractors and the architects and those people around town. And he is so hopeful that the city embraces him as it has done this hockey team. I think they will do very, very well. And Adam, I think clearly those teams that, that play the Raiders every year, Kansas City, Denver, the Chargers, uh, this will be a destination for them. They will come in here. This will be one of the places that they will want to see their team on the road. They've sold a lot of season tickets. I bought a couple of them uh, from them because you get access. Eventually, Eventually, I have a Final Four in this stadium. The NCAA uh, announced that it was withdrawing the ban on their events in states which have legalized gambling. Yep. And, of course, that opens the way for Nevada to be hosting part of, part of March Madness. I think, I think this will be the number one destination for road team fans to visit. There are so many, so many hotels. And once they get the bridges completed over the interstate, uh, believe it or not, uh, you'll be able to walk over or take a trolley uh, from your hotel to the, uh, to the stadium over there. I think it is going to be enormously, enormously successful. And with the, with the Supreme Court uh, doing what they did, uh, legalizing betting on sports for the rest of the country, uh, that sort of takes the onus off of it, and uh, so be it. You know, Where's they are in uh, Las Vegas. So congratulations, Raiders. Congratulations to the Las Vegas Raiders officially. Because in the fog of the moments of all that's going on, that kind of got missed. So they officially changed their name and culture and everything else to Las Vegas. It's all about the money. But they will always be my Oakland Raiders. All right, well, let's talk about this draft because, honestly, I don't even want to think about it. (laughs) Not my favorite one in quite some time. Let's talk about it. In the NFL draft, the Oakland Raiders select, 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 select. You know, it's been a while since the draft, which to me was like a popcorn fart. Everyone was slapping themselves in the back for a job well done. Tough in the COVID situation. However, I don't think it was any great thing. Matter of fact, I thought it was pretty lame. They could have done a way better job at this draft. I hope if we still have this next season, they figure it out. Because I'll just say one thing. The background on some of these coaches of their beautiful homes is great. Then you has guys got got guys in the basement, you guys got in guys in the closet. <laughs> it was it was less than uh, admirable, to say the least. So let's get that right next time, NFL. Okay, well, here's the Raiders' draft choices. Um, to say I was sick and I didn't get the, 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 the virus, but boy, was I sick during this draft. The first pick, Henry Ruggs III, reminded me of an Al Davis pick. I'm sure he'll do well. 
I hope he's the best wide receiver in football, but speedsters rarely are. What's the first thing that comes to your mind when I say Cliff Branch? Speed. 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 Total speed. As they too found that on the gridiron highway, speed does kill. I think Cliff Branch was a game-changing kind of receiver. When he was a young player, he would maybe in the third quarter say, hey, coach, I can beat my guy deep. And after he'd played for five or six years, the National Anthem just finished, and he was right next to me and said, coach, I can beat my guy deep. I said, Cliff, we haven't even played it down yet. How do you, how do you even know who your guy is? Who will most definitely have the biggest impact among rookies in 2020? I'm going with the Raiders' new wide receiver, Henry Ruggs III. If you think about the impact Tyreek Hill's had on the Chiefs, he's just a special player. You can't coach speed. In the six years that Derek Carr has been in the league, he has 11, 11 passes over 50-plus yards for a TD. That's pretty wild. He should double that this year with Tyrell Williams, uh, Darren Waller, and now Henry Ruggs. And here's the thing. He had an 87-yard TD to Amari Cooper back when Cooper was still on the Raiders. I guarantee that Henry Ruggs has a 90-plus-yard TD this season. I got Henry Ruggs making a big impact. Oakland Raiders insider, Scott Baer. And for this episode, we're really excited because Alabama beat writer Michael Casagrande, who's going to break down everything that you need to know about number 12 overall pick, Henry Ruggs. And uh, there's a lot of insight that I'm definitely excited to hear about a guy that could play a huge role for the Raiders as a rookie. Yeah, it's, it's going to be great to hear from, hear from Michael, someone who's covered the team for five years. Michael, my first question is this. We all know about Henry Ruggs' amazing speed. We've seen that 40-yard dash time. But what else impresses you about, uh, about the way he goes about his business and how did you see him grow during his time at the University of Alabama? Yeah, no, when he got there, he was kind of known as, as an athlete. He'd only been playing football a few seasons. He was mostly a basketball star before really taking up football as, as his primary sport later in high school. Uh, but, yeah, everyone knew about his track speed, and that was kind of everything that they, they recruited him on. But I think you saw as time moved on, you could see his, his football skill improve, his route running. Uh, he had a few catches, some great catches, you, you know, some good hands. He improved his hands throughout his time there. Uh, but, yeah, he was – you know, he came in, and I think his first six or seven catches went for touchdowns uh, in his freshman year. So uh, he was uh, kind of an electric player from the, the beginning. Uh, but you saw him kind of come into his own as a football player, not just, you know, the quote-unquote, the athlete, the speed burner uh, that that had been, you know, his reputation and still kind of his, his calling card. But he's more of a football player than he was like, maybe when he first came in. Mike Mayock here uh, on the Rich Eisen Show. Let's get into uh, the evaluation. We had, uh, again, Elway on yesterday. He said that the uh, Broncos ran – Several mock drafts, and not a single one of their mock drafts had Ruggs being taken by you. Why did you choose Ruggs out of all the wide receivers at your disposal, potentially? Well, you know, there was that quote, that group of uh, the top three wideouts that everybody wanted to talk about, Judy, uh, Ruggs, and CeeDee Lamb, and we loved all three of them. Uh, And I felt like John and our staff could take advantage of the distinctive talents of all three because they were very different. And at the end of the day, I think the pure speed of Henry Ruggs 
is kind of what changed things for us. And, and I think we felt like uh, we've been bereft of speed, um, both vertically and horizontally. And when you get a guy like Ruggs, not only are you getting the vertical threat, the deep overs, the post routes, you're also kind of getting those manufactured touches, uh, the horizontal ones, the jet sweeps, the bubble screens. Uh, when, when I talked to Nick Saban and he told me he approaches every day like he's a walk-on, his work ethic is off the charts. Uh, he was a gunner and a jammer on special teams. So we felt like we got in, in one body. We got a potential kick returner. We got a gunner jammer. We got a guy to stretch the field vertically. And I think even more important than all of that, Rich, because again, I think John could have used all three of those wide outs to their highest degree of excellency. But what changed it for us is we felt like that element of speed would make Josh Jacobs better would make Darren Waller better, would make everything underneath better, and effectively make our whole offense better. Let's hope that this Henry Ruggs guy is the man. It seems to be. We'll just play it out, see what happens. The second pick, (laughs) at number 19, which had me just screaming, literally. I'm surprised the uh, law enforcement didn't show up at my house because Damon Arnett, okay? Cornerback, Ohio State. Okay, you know that was like a wah, 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 wah pick. You could try to juke that all what you want. You could tell everybody that that was your pick all the way around. I'd say bullshit. It was a wasted pick. You know, I'm sure he's an all right player, but a first-round pick for this guy that is projected to go in the third or fourth round reach. And to me, that's trying to be a little fancy to me. That's trying to be a little smarter than anyone else. And we have never as a team done well with that attitude in the draft process. I'll tell you right now. We are so excited to have our feature guest on the Raiders talk podcast coming to you from Columbus. That's right. Bill Rabinowitz, Ohio State football beat writer for the Columbus Dispatch. Uh, We're kind of doing a deep dive into number 19 overall NFL draft pick, Damon Arnett. And my first question is this, when you saw him go at number 19, a guy that some people thought could be a second round pick, uh, what was your uh, immediate reaction to that? Well, it's funny because not long before that, we had a conference call with Kerry Combs he was about, no, back as his as defensive coordinator. He was spent three years, two or three years, I can't remember, with uh, the Tennessee Titans as their defensive backs coach. And he, I asked uh, Kerry about Arnett. He said he's going to go higher in the draft than people think. So when he went 19th, I just started smiling. <laughs> I even texted Kerry, and I said, you knew, didn't you? Um, you know, he's a first-rounder in talent uh, for his career. Until he got to his senior year, he didn't play like a first-rounder. But he did as a senior. He had a broken wrist. He broke it in, in training camp. And he still had uh, a, an amazing year. Just, a, you know, Jeff Okuda got most of the hype. Uh, went third overall to Detroit. But Damon Arnett was really, really good, too. So, uh, you know, Ohio State's defensive back, you know, the DBU thing, that, that has continued. Damon Arnett has, has kind of uh, continued that line. Yeah, I mean, so when David was going through the pre-draft process, the scouts – all of them harped on character issues. So I wanted to get your take on, did you think he had character issues or is that something where maybe a scout heard something his sophomore year and just kind of hung on? To it? 
Yeah, you know, I, I used to cover the NFL, and so I know that every every player's got something. You know, you, if they don't, you got to make up something. Chase Young was, you know, they'll find something. You know, in Damon Arnett's case, it was legitimate, not the character stuff. And, and I, character is such a loaded word. Uh, you know, it wasn't character as in anything that was like, you know, criminal or, or disrespectful. It wasn't, it was nothing like that. It was just maturity. And he's admitted that. He was, you know, just kind of had to learn things the hard way. He was always considered a good kid, always considered a hard worker. But it was just the idea that, okay, are you going to have to focus to every single day, do what you're supposed to do to put yourself in position to be a first-round draft pick? And until his senior year, he didn't. I talked to him after the Rose Bowl uh, the year before. And I, I went to a bunch of players and said, are you, do you plan to come back? He was like, and he basically nodded, like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm done, done, I'm done. And that's what he he was, I don't want to say one foot out the door, he was two feet out the door. He only went back to Columbus to collect his clothes. And he uh, he talked to Chris Carter, who's a family friend, the Hall of Fame receiver, obviously Ohio State, former Ohio State player. And Chris Carter basically, Chris Carter's a blunt guy, and said, you know, basically, you're not ready. What have you proven? What have you done at Ohio State to justify you going to the NFL? And then when Jeff Halfley arrived, uh, he kind of, not, not quite as blunt, but he kind of sold Damon Arnett on coming back for one more year, and boom, Damon Arnett returns, and he'll be the poster boy for why you sometimes should come back. Now, there are guys that should go turn pro, but he's like the poster, poster boy for guys who should come back. Uh, when you looked at the differences between his junior year and 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 the year after he decided to come back, what do you uh, what did you see um, as the biggest differences, the biggest improvements uh, that he had as a as a senior? He was so much more fundamentally sound. He, early in his career, he would be very handsy, would would get a lot of holding, pass interference calls, wouldn't necessarily look back for the ball at the right time, and that was something they coached badly, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Last year with Jeff Halfley, they really changed the scheme. They also uh, used more zone coverage. They had been, um, until then, predominantly, I mean, almost exclusively a man-to-man press defense. And that's, you know, that's their trademark. That's what they they like to do, and that's still what they do most of the time. But to be able to mix it up, uh, it really benefited him. And I think, honestly, you get many more interceptions when you're in zone coverage because you're in man coverage, you're following your guy. You're not looking for the ball. You're, You're following your guy. When you're in zone coverage, you can break on the ball, read read uh, what the quarterback's doing and all that stuff. Uh, and he he really was very, very good. Very few penalties. Just looked like a guy that, that was on top of his game. You mentioned Jeff Okuda earlier, and John Gruden has said that he thinks Damon Arnett is as good, if not better, than Jeff Okuda. We know John Gruden's the ultimate hype man, so that might just be <laughs> – that might just be John Gruden doing his thing, but you watch both these guys. How do you compare and contrast both of them, and where where does Arnett where are they differ? Well, I would have taken Okuda first. <laughs> uh, I mean, over, but, but that's only because Okuda is almost your prototype for what you want a cornerback to be: physically, mentally, intelligence, work ethic. I mean, he, there was never a question about Jeff Okuda. They maybe the only knock on him was he didn't have a lot of interceptions. Again, I go back to the zone versus press man coverage thing. But he added that to his resume last year. So Jeff Okuda was as close to a flawless prospect as you're going to find. You know, there were the questions about Arnett. He, he really only had one really good year. Now, he was good enough to start at Ohio State, so it wasn't like he was a terrible player. But, he, you know, he wasn't consistent the way that Jeff Okuda was. 
But I think, I mean, is he a legitimate first-round pick? Yeah, I think he is. I mean, he's got to play to that level. But, you know, when, when they took him, I didn't think, what are they doing? I thought, well, that work really paid off. And it, it, when you read all of this, all the draft profiles and things like that, they always talk about his um, aggressiveness, his um, competitive drive. And this is a guy that, as you mentioned, played with a broken wrist for right. most of the year. Uh, was that a trait that, that um, was evident when you watched him practice and when you watched him play? Well, we don't get to watch him practice. So oh, okay, right. Yeah, vouch for that. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, there were times – and I, and I asked him a couple of times, you know, could you have had that interception if you had two good hands? He said, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah, it, it certainly did. I mean, it's hard to play with a cast on your hand. You're mm-hmm. a cornerback. Uh, it did affect him, but not to the point where it stopped him from, from being clearly better than he was last year. And I think what it did was it forced him to be so fundamentally sound. Because if, if something's wrong with your body, you better make sure that everything else is right on the mark. And so he was in good position. Uh, if he couldn't intercept the ball, he was able to, to bat the ball away. Uh, you know, you learn to play with what you can't do sometimes. And so maybe he might say now, maybe it's a blessing in disguise, but, but obviously you want to be able to be able to catch the ball with two hands. And, and it was a full cast. I mean, it was, it was down, you know, down, well down his forearm. He's a guy that always played with a chip on his shoulder, always had that, that swagger kind of mentality to him. Uh, the results didn't always match that, but he always he always kind of carried himself like he was a potential first round pick in a good way. I mean, he, he's I did a, a, a profile on him late last year, and he's a very uh, thoughtful guy. Uh, you know, from South Florida, and those guys tend to have uh, you know you can tell the South Florida guys mm-hmm. they have a certain kind of attitude, and he's got that. But you know, he it's not just kind of this cockiness for cockiness, cockiness for sake. He's, he's, he's a thoughtful guy. He's a caring guy. Uh, one of the things that I learned when I did that story was he would go to schools and, and talk to kids and, and do all this kind of community service stuff that he might have paid lip service to before, but he was really sincere about doing that kind of stuff last year. And, uh, you know, I talked to his dad quite a bit, and uh, it, it, he's just a guy who it just took a while to develop and took a while to mature, you know, by his own ambition. Uh, when you look at all of the influences on him, and obviously people like to point to that to to, to that uh, improved senior year, um, when uh, when you had a guy like um, Jeff um, Halfley come back in, like what kind of influence do you think that um, he had in, in in Damon's progress? Yeah, Jeff Halfley is a special coach. You, you could tell from the very first press conference he did at Ohio State that this guy was on the ball. And he came from the NFL. Ryan Day you know, recruited him. And he, they coached together out there, obviously. Mm-hmm. And and that was one of his guys. He wanted to get Jeff Halfway. And then very disappointed that Jeff Halfway went to D.C., went to Boston College after only one year. But Boston College, you know, knew that Jeff Halfway was going to be a hot commodity and, and got him. Um, he he's, brings a swagger. I mean, Jeff Halfway is kind of that kind of guy, very personable. Very knowledgeable. You can tell he's a master with the X's and O's. And those two guys just clicked. And really, honestly, Jeff Halfley clicked with everybody in the Ohio State uh, secondary. He really made a difference. Because the year before, uh, Ohio State's defense was awful by Ohio State standards. Gave up most yards, most points. I mean, everything. They were, at times, an absolute mess. Maryland scored 53 points on them. 
it was, I think it was 54, 53. I can't remember exactly. Oh, but it was the, the week before the Michigan game in 2018. That's why Michigan, everyone thought Michigan was going to, you know, crush Ohio State because Ohio State, if, if a Maryland quarterback had thrown an accurate pass on a two-point conversion, Ohio State loses that game. And so Jeff Halfley inherited his defense. Uh, he and, and several other coaches overhauled that defense, and it was a completely different uh, different results last year. They were a lights-out defense for most of the year. Unfortunately, not against Clemson at the end, but but for the most, you know, that was, it was as dominating an Ohio State team as I've ever seen, and I've followed them since I was a kid growing up in Ohio, and this was as good as they got for Ohio State. They just unfortunately, you know, kind of kicked away the Clemson game with some help from, as Ohio State fans will say, with some help from the people in stripes. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, they had their chances to win that game without question. Uh, so when, when Damon got drafted in the in the post-draft press conference, he said he came back to rewrite his legacy at Ohio State. Now that it's over, what would you say his legacy is at Ohio State? Yeah, I think it's a guy who showed that how you finish really is how you'll be remembered. Because mm-hmm. if he had left after his junior year, he would have been thought of as an underachiever. You're just another guy. Mm-hmm. And now that's nothing wrong with being just another guy at Ohio State, especially given what they've done with defensive backs. But he wanted to be what he became. And so I think that was a really wise decision, a mature decision. Look, it's not easy to turn down the NFL, mm-hmm. especially when your heart's set on it and you're mentally kind of checked out. Uh, he had thought all year, his junior year, that was going to be his last year. And so it, uh, to me, it shows a lot of maturity to, to reassess, listen to what people are telling you and do it. And then not come back and complain and be a malcontent. Say, I should be here. He he bought in, and he was a team player all year. And obviously, the, you know the risk is the biggest example. But they really, really respected him. Bill, thank you so much for the time for helping us break down number nineteen overall draft pick to the Raiders, Damon Arnett. Fantastic insight, and again. Cannot recommend this enough. Follow Bill Rabinowitz at brdispatchbuckeyextra.com is the website. Buckeye Extra Podcast is where you can listen to him as well. Now, the Buckeye Extra Podcast with Rob Aller, Bill Rabinowitz, and Joey Kaufman from the Columbus Dispatch. Hello, everybody. Thanks for listening to another week's edition of the Buckeye Extra Football Podcast. And we're going to break down the three-day marathon that was the NFL draft. Ten Ohio State players were picked among the OSU guys. Who did you like? Who do you think is in a good situation? Rookie minicamp or off-season programs, training camp, ever continues. I like Damon Arnett. Uh, You know, I can speak specifically to his maturity. Here's a kid that, can I call them kids? I guess I can. They're like younger than my own kids, so I can call them kids. Uh, here's a kid that I, I uh, was a guest speaker in Ohio State communications class, uh, oh, I don't know, three years ago, two maybe two years ago. He was in that class, a little bit of a knucklehead, even in the class, the one day, seemed disinterested, punk kid. He's come a long way, uh, matured, you know, Ryan Day talked about that, um, and I think he's just become a man and uh that coming back an extra year helped him and uh, became a leader and is ready for the nfl and he just seems like a radar to me i don't know yeah. about you guys but he just <laughs> seems like he's a radar 
He's got the swagger. He's he kind of has a swag, no got a little bit of that. And I just, uh, I think I'm it'll be fun. These are not the Al, Al Davis Raiders anymore. It's still the family. No, but it's, it's, still, it's still John Gruden. It's right. still Gruden. I think it's. I think it'll be fun to watch him, and uh, it's kind of cool that the Raiders got him. And that goes to show you our next draft pick, Lynn Bolden Jr., wide receiver out of Kentucky, and he is also a quarterback. I guess a dual threat guy. He's kind of a jack of all trades. Well, we didn't need a jack of all trades, but I guess we got one out of Kentucky. I hope he turns out good. Bowden, what is going on, man? What's going on, coach? We're on the clock, me and Mayock, man. We're 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 interested in 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 you as a Las Vegas Raider. I have no doubt. I have no doubt that you could be a great player, man. But you got to trust me now. You with me? Yes, sir. All right, I'm excited as hell. I've wanted to coach you from the first time I met you, man. All right, man, we're going to turn the pick in. You're going to be a Las Vegas Raider. Congratulations, Lynn. You fired up? Yes, sir. All right, man. You uh, you enjoy the uh, the TV here for a minute. I'm going to have Mike Mayock call you shortly. Congratulations, Lynn. All right, man. Love you, pal. We'll be in touch. Way to go. See you. Who is it, Brett? Who is it, Brett? I'm Scott Bear with my co-host, Josh Schrock. We do this uh, twice a week now, and I'm sure that you guys at this point are catching a theme. Uh, we're, we're, we're going through the 2020 Raiders draft class and trying to really get to know these guys more than just analyzing what we've read on draft profiles. We're going to the source. We're talking to college beat writers from each one of these guys, hometowns guys who have seen every practice that they're allowed to see every game, uh, every game snap and really trying to get to know these guys and how they tick. Our guest on this Friday edition of the Raiders talk podcast is Lexington Herald leader, University of Kentucky football writer Josh Moore, and he's here to really give us a deep dive and a breakdown into third-round Raiders NFL draft pick Lynn Bowden Jr., a kid that can do pretty much everything. He played running back and wide receiver and quarterback for the University of Kentucky. He was the Paul Horning Award winner and a first-team All-American. So, And Josh, uh, you can follow him on Twitter at JoshMooreHL and read all of his great stuff at Kentucky.com. So, Josh, my first question to you is this, is when you hear Lynn Bowden go in the third round to the Raiders as a running back, uh, what was your uh, immediate reaction to hearing that news? Yeah, when you when you see a guy like Lynn, you know, who comes to UK um, as a quarterback out of high school and then you know, they're trying to turn him into a wide receiver and, and it made a lot of progress towards doing that uh, his first two years on campus, especially his second year there um, in Lexington, he – and then he has to run the ball most of the time at, at, at Kentucky, uh, his final year on campus. You 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 kind of start wondering as you go, you know, and you see how much success he had with that, you know. Cause, uh, I was asking a lot of people leading up to the draft, like, is this is this a guy that you know can he be drafted as a running back? Like, is that kind of a an option there? And you know, you you hear mixed things. And with the NFL draft, I mean, the thing you learn about it pretty quickly is people you could. You can find somebody to tell you anything if you're really trying hard enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, you take that for what it's worth. But there was a lot of – you know, the thing that came up 
the most often when you hear about, you know, Lynn, it, it was the versatility. Um, and the UK's coaches throughout the, the year said, you know, this isn't going to hurt his draft stock. Um, it, in fact, it's probably going to help it because it's kind of showing what, you know, what he can do, the sacrifices he's willing to make to, to be um, a winner. Because, I mean, honestly, that really was Kentucky's best option at that point at quarterback was throwing Lynn back there. Um and letting him do his thing. And, and, I mean, if he'd been doing – I mean, he put up some crazy numbers here. And if he'd been doing it from the start of the season, you know, before they had two quarterbacks get hurt, who knows what. I mean, he would have – you're talking Heisman potential numbers. You know, he, he would have been in the running for sure probably for that. So, you get excited about, you know, seeing what he can do with the Raiders. I know John Gruden's obviously a pretty talented offensive mind. I mean, because it's kind of like they drafted three receivers in a way because you, mm-hmm. you got Lynn and then the other two guys. It was kind of funny, you know, on draft night, you're looking at – you kind of, in a way, you're like, man, did they just say running back because they didn't want to offend the <laughs> other receiver that they took? <laughs> that kind of, like, goes through my head. But, you you know, you get excited. I mean, I would think, you know, having all that talent, all that young, um, you know, new weapons around there will be interesting. And I, I would bet, you know, with Lynn at least, you know, they'll come in probably a lot of different spots and, and see what he can do and, and probably throw him back and return some. He was, you know, he did a little bit less that. You know, his, his last year there at UK, just because, you know, you can't have your quarterback returning punts. Um, it'll be fun to see what he does there in, in Las Vegas. Especially, you know, there's obviously a lot of excitement, you know, new city and everything else. I think it'll be good to see what he can achieve. Yeah, and Josh, you mentioned the versatility. Obviously, that's a big thing. But as you've watched Lynn go from high school quarterback to slot receiver to college Wildcat quarterback, what's the most impressive individual part of his game to you? Yeah, I think his vision. I mean, that's kind of the constant thing throughout – you know, whether you're playing receiver, running back, quarterback, special teams, that's a thing, you know, you see a lot. I was talking uh, earlier this week to Stevie Johnson, a former, another former UK receiver who he went on and played eight, nine years in the NFL. And he, you know, mentioned, you know, because we're, we're kind of doing like this series of former UK guys that, that we were kind of catching up with. And, and I asked him, you know, like, who's your, been your favorite player to watch? And, and he brought up Lynn and was just bragging about his vision. And, and I mean, and he referenced back to his freshman year when mostly, what he did was return punts and stuff, but he's like, man, you can, you could see it then. You know, he's looking three, four yards down the field, making moves, you know, three, four yards ahead of when he makes them. Um, and you can just see, I mean, he, he's like, he's like right then he's like, that's NFL. He's, you know, he's NFL talent. Even if he'd been drafted and you, and you called him a receiver, when you see him in space, we all went, everybody knew that he was going to run the ball this year. I mean, it's not like it was a surprise. Yeah. You know, he was running the ball like what, something like 70 or 80% of the plays and to still be able to make, moves and and to get into space and and evade a defender or two before you end up breaking away he's fast but he's not like the fastest guy when you're talking receivers and and running backs but you know he's just pretty smart and can see what's happening um and that goes a long way uh when the initial conversation came up and it became necessary for him to switch to that to that quarterback spot, what was his immediate reaction? Was he accepting of it or not? And was he at all concerned that, that it might hurt his draft stock? What was his um, reaction to the initial conversation and then as he got into playing that uh, position? So he, you know, was in some wildcat packages, mm-hmm. you know, his, you know, the, you know, the first couple of years on campus. And, and, you know, so it was something like he wasn't, you know, went from never playing to, to not. And, and again, like he was, you know, he played quarterback in high school. So it was something he was at least familiar with, you know, being at the position um, to hear him tell it, you, you think that he was, you know, lobbying for it as soon as, cause you know, Terry Wilson, the guy who won 10 games a year before and was returning, 
goes down the second game of the season. I mean, to hear Lynn tell it, you, he was lobbying to be, you know, quarterback from the moment Terry went down. But they had a backup, a, a quality backup, and then he got hurt. So, Lynn, they throw Lynn in at the end of the – they were it was the fifth game at South Carolina. Then they had a bye week and were able to kind of really, really – you know, they'd seen Lynn and been practicing with him, but really kind of gear the offense around what his skills were and, and be able to, to, to see what they could do with him back there. Um, and he was pumped about it, man. He was, he was just ready to go. He, you know, you know, never said a word. He was never worried about the draft stock thing. The only thing, um, I mean, I think he obviously wanted to, 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 you know, show what he could do as a receiver and, 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 and be able to, to demonstrate that. But I don't, I mean, I'm not sure if he'd come, you know, and, and been playing receiver all year that he would have went any higher than he did. I mean, maybe he ends up in the second round. Um, but you, you look at what he was able to achieve and, and because I, I think the sacrifice, you know, quote unquote sacrifice became part of his, his image mm-hmm. and that, that kind of willingness to do whatever it takes to win kind of made up for what he didn't have in terms of game tape and being able to show his skills, you know, as a receiver, as a pass catcher. But I think, you know, as far as being a draft, um, you know, a potential draftee, it didn't really hurt him. And I think he was kind of aware of that in the moment. Uh, I mean, a lot of talk about John Gruden's offense, obviously, is how complex it is, all the terminology. And him and Mike McAbill said when they met with Lynn, they gave him a quick install, and Lynn was able to just kind of spit everything back to them like no problem. And obviously, going from high school quarterback to not playing quarterback and then playing quarterback in the SEC says a lot about Lynn's football IQ. So I wanted to get your gauge on how smart of a football player Lynn Bowden is. Yeah, I think after the versatility, you probably – and I would say versatility, but maybe some people would say the IQ is the number one thing because he – I mean, that you hear that a lot from the coaches about how fast he picked up the offense. And, and that was part of what made it so easy for, for them to, to put him back there at quarterback because he kind of was – he knew what was – kind of how the whole offense functioned. A, a general theme of this Raiders draft class is getting uh, guys that are ultra-competitive – and it seems like Lynn fits into that category, uh, you know, just as somebody with that intense motivation and uh, competitive drive, whether it's proving people wrong or proving people right. Um, do you find that to be one of his kind of maybe not directly related towards football, but is that a characteristic that um, that uh, you noticed? I mean, he kind of willed the Wildcats to victory several times there, uh, there down the stretch. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it goes back going back to the, you know, having to run the ball all the time. I mean, you have to – it takes a certain kind of dude to be – to know that every defense knows what's going to happen. I mean, because it's not, it's not a, a trick. I mean, Eddie Grant, UK's offensive coordinator, at some point we were asking about it and about why it works, and he's like, Lynn. <laughs> you know, it's like – because, you know, and, and they – I mean, they had an incredible offensive line. It was in the running for the, the, the Joe Moore Award for, you know, the best line in the – in the nation um, and a lot of those guys are, are coming back so it, it had started a lot of games before last season so you you that's obviously a big component of it but but you have to have you know you couldn't just put anybody back there and had the same result you've talked about him growing up in in Youngstown and obviously he has a chip on his shoulder how, how did growing up in in Youngstown in that area kind of shape the the player and the person that, that Lynn has become Oh, I've it had, you know, a, a huge influence because that place, I mean, I've never been, um, but from everything you kind of hear, it's, it's pretty, you know, it can be pretty rough, kind of, a, it's a blue collar place. Um, so that kind of just goes hand in hand, you, 
And and Kentucky, I mean, especially because Kentucky has a lot of influence from that area on its you know coaching staff, they kind of take that blue collar mentality to heart, um, and it works well. I mean, the way Kentucky kind of recruits and coaches um, really works for this state. Um, there are places that I don't know that it would work as well, but it really works well here. They basically, I mean, they basically run it like a Big Ten program is, is really what they do, and 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 you can see that in just kind of the types of guys they they bring in and and what they are trying to, you know, get going here. And Lynn kind of, you know, rolls right into that. And you, 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 so you take somebody with his talents and being forged in this place where there's just a lot of poverty, a lot of, you know, have to, have to work hard, have to go through and, 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 you know, know that, you know, you might wake up one day and somebody's got shot outside, you know, three blocks down the road or something. I mean, that, that, that makes you, um, you have to be tough. I mean, you mentally, you know, as much as anything to, to be, and, and, and you know, to, to be able to handle something like that, it's not easy. And, and I think that that shows in Lynn's personality and yeah, he might rub some people wrong, uh, you know, sometimes because of that. But I think, I mean, I think he's an off dude. I mean, I really do think he's a, a good person. I don't, you know, get the impression that he's um, any worse for, for having gone through that. And just uh, one last question uh, from us, and thank you so much for the time. Uh, you, you know, talked so much about the sacrifices that he made for the program and putting it on his back. Uh, what do you think his, his overall legacy is going to be? How do you think he's going to be um, remembered uh, by the University of Kentucky and its fans? Oh, I would say as one of the best players that's ever played here. I mean, I, I don't, I don't <laughs> think that's hyperbole. I mean, and, and that's in part because, I mean, there haven't been a whole lot of, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. Kentucky football, as far as, you know, its total history has a lot of guys, like a lot of, you know, great players that have played here. I mean, obviously like a Tim Couch. I mean, there aren't many schools that have had a number one overall pick, you know, especially of Kentucky's, um, you know, get in relation to like the Alabamas and Ohio States and, and places like that. Um, and, I mean, he's definitely, I mean, and especially one of the best, you know, just skill guys um, for sure. Because when you look at the, 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 you know, the list of names and a lot of these records, you know, I mean, they were breaking records last year that have been around for 40 years, 50 years. Um, and a lot of it had to do with Lynn. And, and so I think you, you look at that and, and if nothing else, that single season, is one of the best single seasons. You can you'll always be able to point to that as one of the best single seasons that's ever been, you know, that's ever happened uh, or been put together by a Kentucky athlete. I would say in any sport because it's just, you know, I don't think it's a surprise that he was able to to do it, but it's certainly not something that anyone expected, and it kind of came out of nowhere. And that's always fun. I like that's why we love sports. You know, the, we we like we like having expectations and then having those expectations met. But we really like it when we have expectations and either have them met in a way we didn't, you know, see them happening or or having them exceeded. And I think going into the last season, you know, a lot of people thought, okay, UK lost a lot of talented dudes, had several guys get drafted in the NFL, but they're at a point where they should still make a bowl game and be competitive. Um, and then when you lose two quarterbacks, you, you, you reevaluate that, uh, you know, expectation a little bit. And then to see, you know, Lynn just have so much success and the team have so much success after he got thrown into a completely different role um, says a lot about the program and, and what he was able to, to provide for. So I think he'll – I mean, I think his legacy – you know, he could go – if he never does anything in the NFL, it ain't going to 
you know, hurt what he did at Kentucky at all. Well, Josh Moore from the Lexington Herald Leader, thank you so much for the time. We kept it a little longer than we planned, but it was also good and so riveting. And I think the Raiders fans are are are, are going to come away with a really a three dimensional picture of who Lynn Bowden is. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Josh Moore HL. Check out his excellent writing at Kentucky.com, sir. Thank you so much for the time. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, I, I appreciate you, fellas. It was a lot of fun, and yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully Lynn and all the other guys can give you something fun to watch there in Las Vegas next year. Man, Josh, I, I don't know if we're just getting lucky or just so many of these college beat writers that we're talking to, A, they really know their stuff, and they're giving a lot of really good anecdotes and insight about these Raiders draft picks, and Josh Moore was no different. Uh, I, I, I really feel like I got to know Lynn Bowden a lot better, not only about what he could do as a Raider, but what he did as a Wildcat and how that relates to his to his uh, professional um, career. Uh, what was a big kind of uh, thing that you took away from that conversation? The first thing I grabbed onto was, was just Josh talking about uh, how much Lynn's vision impressed him. Because I think when the Raiders drafted him and they said running back, you and I were kind of like, ah, oh, that seems kind of weird. Like they need maybe a bigger back, a guy who can just kind of line up and take care of from Josh Jacobs to give him a breather. Um, but I think what Josh said about his vision, how, how NFL player, former NFL player Stevie Johnson is so impressed when Lynn was a freshman saying, hey, you know, he sets, he sets cuts up three, four, five yards ahead. Um, I think that really speaks to what the Raiders see, not only as a running back return potential and, and as a receiver, a gadget player. I mean, he's just a guy that John Gruden is going to want to find ways to get the ball into his hands in any way. Yeah, and I, I like to hearing how easy it was for him to transition uh, to all these different positions. And yes, he ran more than anything else and defenses knew what was coming uh, when he was with the Wildcats, but still the football IQ is something that Josh Moore talked a lot about maybe being his second best attribute. And I think that that's going to pair really well to a complex offense and uh, a lot of different things um, that Lynn, that John Gruden could have Lynn Bowden doing. There's no doubt. We already heard um, when they were at that Paul scouting convoy, Combine the Mayock and uh, John Gruden brought Lynn in for a quick install, gave him Raiders verbiage. And in 15 minutes, they said he spat it right back out, got everything 100%. And then when he left the room, they looked at each other and they're like, hey, this guy's a freaking Raider. So, and I think, you know, that we talk about football IQ, and yeah, he was running the ball most of the time, but he still had to direct the offense. He made audibles. His final play as a college player was on the fly and audible, a post pass when he doesn't throw it all. So the guy is. Uh, he's really athletic, but he's also really smart. His competitive drive, I think, is going to fit in with what the Raiders like um, and what they like to kind of have him do because he's going to come in here and he's going to have a big role and that uh, he, he's going to have to earn his touches. Yeah, that, that belief in himself, that, that edge, like you said, I mean, the quarterbacks go down and automatically Lynn's going to the coaches saying, hey, just put me in. Just let me, let me do my thing. And they're like, ah, I don't really know. You know, you're a slot receiver. No, just let me do it. And, and he, he goes out, he, they put him in after a bye week, they install a brand new Wildcat offense, and he wills them to six, six wins into a, a bowl game win. He made the most of that experience and gave some glory moments in football to a basketball school. And Josh Moore was saying that he's going to be remembered as one of the, one of the best uh, players, one of the best skilled players in, in program history. He led the team in receiving yards – uh, his sophomore year, really, as a junior as well, even though he only played five games uh, at the uh, position, can't pass the ball to yourself. Uh, but nonetheless, he was still able to be productive there um, and kind of maybe show enough in a number of different roles that he excited John Gruden. Now, 
we heard on uh, when when he was drafted announced as a running back. Now, John Gruden and Mike Mayock said it was more for the reason of that's where he's going to start. He's going to learn how to how, like how to play running back. It wasn't necessarily kind of the 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 uh, the kind of funny you know. Um, you know, thought process that, that Josh Moore had that maybe they didn't want to draft three wideouts in a row. They didn't want to offend Brian Edwards and, and Henry Ruggs was just with three wideouts. Uh, but nonetheless, he's not just going to be a standard running back, even at, even, uh, even as a rookie, uh, no matter what, you know, my, Mike Mayock was saying, he's going to start here. He may start there, but I think he's going to finish doing uh, a lot more than just lining up uh, behind the quarterback and taking handoffs. No doubt. He's, I mean, in the, in the pre-draft process, he was described as the NFL's next unicorn, um, which, you know, for NBA fans, it's a, it's a little bit of a basketball term. But I remember, I remember reading an interview with Limbo and that he did, uh, and they asked him, you know, oh, are you going to be the next Taysom Hill, next Lamar Jackson? And he said, no, nah, man, I'm, I'm more athletic than those guys. Um, so I think, I think the <laughs> labeling as a running back, like you said, is a way to get him on the field. It's a way for him to learn terminology, verbiage of one position, but he's going to move all around that IQ, that vision. That's just going to accelerate, um, I think, his ability to pick up the offense. And look, like we said, this offseason has been all about trying to catch up to the Chiefs, and this guy is clearly another huge weapon that they didn't have uh, last year when the offense was pretty mundane and boring. No offense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that Limboden, uh, I'm more encouraged than I was pre-interview with Josh Moore about Limboden's uh, Potential. Well, I mean, man, you 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 kept hammering that wide receiver position as well uh, when you used two of your three third round selections on on Lynn Bowden Jr. and Brian Edwards of Kentucky and South Carolina, respectively. Why did you feel the need to keep hitting that same position, Mike? Well, the reality is for us, Lynn Bowden's going to play running back, and he at. Kentucky, it was kind of cool because his junior year, he caught close to 70 passes in the SEC, was the top one of the top slot receivers in the country. And then his senior year, the quarterback got hurt, and they moved him to quarterback. And he rushed for 12, 1,300 yards in the SEC as a running quarterback slash wildcat guy. So we kind of envisioned Lynn Bowden as first and foremost primarily a running back as he learns how to pass protect and do all the different jobs demanded of him by that position, I think the cool thing about him, Rich, is he becomes what John calls a joker, an ability to to play running back, slot, wide. Uh, We can use him. We could line him up in the wildcat in the red zone. So uh, we envision Lynn Bowden doing a variety of jobs for us, but primarily he'll be a running back. And then Brian Edwards to us, we had him with a high second-round grade, and he was sitting there at 81 and just couldn't pass up on that. Brian Edwards, South Carolina, solid receiver, just a guy that wants to get the ball. Big guy, good receiver, big receiver. He's a big-bodied, tough guy, the all-time leading pass receiver at South Carolina. He started over 40 games in the SEC. So we were kind of blown away both by his productivity and his consistency in the best conference in the country. Well, I guess that seems like uh, that was a um, uh, a facet about this draft with the wide receivers, Mike. Mike Mayock, by the way, of the Las Vegas Raiders here on the Rich Eisen Show, is that you, you, you were getting guys uh, in rounds with grades uh, much higher than what you were getting them. Would you agree in terms of everything, the years that we were working together to, to this year, deepest wide receiver draft period or no? I- 
I, I think every team in the league went into it knowing that there was quality at the top and depth throughout. And, you know, I think typically the, the average was 12 or 13 wideouts have gone in the first three rounds over the last five years. And I think 12 went in the first two rounds, which set a record in the mod, modern draft. Uh, so uh, certainly every team in the league felt like that was the case. Rich, there were guys in the fourth and fifth round that I was salivating over that were put that, that were wide outs that typically would be third round guys. So so yeah, I, I the that position this year we thought had had the best quality up top and the depth throughout. And let me just circle back briefly to your second first round selection, the last of the Khalil Mack first rounders that uh, Gruden placed in your expert hands to turn into human beings. Uh, Damon Arnett. Now, part of the conversation uh, about Arnett leading in and on draft night as well uh, was his tape in the biggest game of the year against Clemson uh, did not suit him very well. Uh, I'm sure you saw a similar tape and maybe thought a different thing about this young man or saw uh, somebody who, um, you know, fought through a difficult night on on occasion. Uh, What did you see on his film? What we saw was uh, in 35 starts at Ohio State, we thought he was most competitive cornerback in this draft as far as a guy that showed up every week, competed, tackled. He can play inside. He can play outside. He can play the right side. He can play the left side. He played most of this season with a cast on his arm. Um, we thought that as if you just – what we're looking for, Rich, when, when John and I sit in a room by ourselves and we talk about what are we trying to construct here – and we talk about competitive, tough guys that come to work every day because they love it, not just because they're getting paid for it. And, and that's Damon Arnett. Uh, so to us, when you're in our division and you're playing the Chiefs twice a year, you mentioned John Elway. You know, they drafted wide outs. They drafted tight ends. Sure did. Everybody's trying to get faster and more dynamic to compete with the Chiefs. So in our division, you better line up. You better be fast. You better be competitive. You better be tough. And you better not flinch. And we don't think this kid will flinch. Round three, pick 100 from the Patriots. Tanner Muse. Okay, I think this guy could be good. Safety from Clemson. You know. (laughs) Fourth round pick, John Simpson, a guard out of Clemson. Another pick. So... I was like a, it was like a boring party. It was like a party I really didn't want to be at, people I didn't want to talk to. That's what the draft was like. Not excited, really. We'll see what happens. Let's hope that these uh, young men step in the line. But um, where is, <laughs> other than the cornerback and the safety, where is the rest of the defense? Where's the linebacker? One of the best linebackers up was available and we picked Damon Arnett. I mean, we need linebackers. This draft blew, in my estimation, this is a terrible draft. And I've had plenty of time to think about it, look at it, you know, ponder on it. And I think it kind of sucked. But we see. I hope I'm wrong. But I don't think uh, I'm the only Raider fan who thinks that. And that's the way I think about this draft. We have players coming back from that last year that played pretty well. Um, the Feral Cats got to step it up. I mean, he was dragging last year. He better step it up big. Matt Crosby is the man. But uh, the Feral Cat better get it, be a little more consistent uh, because he might not be on the team much longer. 
Other than that, we got some free agents. We've improved our team. I don't know so much about this draft, but I know we've improved our team and other areas in free agency. Let's just see how it works out. Because uh, lots going on this year. The new move and all that uh, tends to kind of stifle a team just a bit. But uh, we shall see. Uh, we shall see. I'm looking forward to some football. Damn, I've been watching reruns for days. Raider Greg. Raider Greg. That's some bullshit. Whatever. Slap a pad, partner. Well, before we get into the bone line, uh, which is my favorite part of this show, let me just give you guys a rundown of what I've been doing. Raider Greg has been hunkered down at home. I'm 63, probably got some lung damage for some smoke inhalation, you know. Um, but I'm not in the best shape. I'm not doing too bad. My wife, uh, she's got some issues, so we're concerned about the COVID, and rightfully so. So we've been stuck at home, sticking it out at home. Um, trying to watch all the sports programs that I normally watch, ESPN, First Take, uh, Colin Cowher. Nobody is doing nothing. They're boring shows, rehashing old news about Michael Jordan, who's the best and who's the best player ever, and <clears throat> goes on and on and on. The World Health Organization declared that the coronavirus crisis is now a pandemic. Rudy Gobert has tested positive for the coronavirus. This astounding and unprecedented story continues to evolve. The NBA is suspending the season. This is crazy. This can't be true. This just seems more like out of a movie than reality. This is the last night of NBA games for the foreseeable future. Uh, I've always wanted to be a sportscaster. I've always wanted to do this job. Um, nothing can prepare you for being the host of a show during something like this. And the something like this is coming on the air the day after a major American sports league decides to suspend its season because there is a pandemic flu going around this globe without a vaccine or known cure coming down the pike for months, if not maybe a year. Stephen, I would pay money to listen to your analysis of dodgeball <laughs> or stone skipping or arm wrestling, which most intrigues you. Well, listen, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, all of it at this particular moment in time, obviously we're dealing with very trying times. There's no denying that there's no way to get around that. I, I don't understand uh, the argument to be made that people are overreacting. Think about insurance. You know that you may spend tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars in a life to have car insurance and you'll never get in a wreck. But you're just doing it to protect yourself. It's smart so you don't get sued, right? 
It's the same thing with coronavirus. The the upside to this not spreading to 70% of the country is social distancing and canceling. The downside is, well, I, I don't get to watch Dayton play. Nobody cares. I mean, nobody cares. I mean, the big picture, just don't be stupid. Um, you know, I'm going to stay in the house overwhelmingly if I can. I'm going to go on some, I'm going to go on a long walk today. But if I can not go to public places, I'll try to avoid them. Uh, I'll walk around uh, outside if I can, get some fresh air. But, you know, I'm not going to go to any concerts or venues. I'm not going to go to any games. I don't think we should have them. I think it's smart. Uh, they predicted this week there would be a uh, little bit of panic, uh, market crash. Uh, be very aware there's going to be widespread canceling of events. I was told that Friday. Um, you know, it's just the smartest people have been ahead of this thing. You know, like Belichick's always a little ahead of the curve. The smartest people I've talked to on Friday were predicting this. This is where leadership is really important. I don't want to make this a political issue. I think you are defined in life by how you handle crises as a parent, as a CEO, as a commissioner, as a president. This is a real crisis. You just hope we make good decisions going forward. Uh, This is not a hoax, as was suggested a week ago. It has never been with the smart people. Charles Barkley, Hall of Famer inside the NBA on TNT. Joining us, Charles Barkley. You'd look good. I am not going to complain because, man, I just want to shout out to all the first responders out there, all the nurses and all the doctors who are, you know, normally unless you're a cop or a farmer, you don't have to risk your life every day. But all these people who are in the restaurant business who are going to lose their job, who have lost their jobs yeah. Yeah. and are going to lose their jobs because yeah. even when this pandemic is over, a lot of these restaurants are, number one, people are not going to have money to go there and eat, but also people are going to be afraid, going to be afraid to congregate uh, in the, in the restaurant industry. So my thoughts are with them. So I'm not going to complain at all. I mean, yes, I'm bored. Uh, I'm not even worried about the NBA coming back. I'm not worried about uh, the NHL coming back. I'm not worried about football. I'm just worried about the big picture because Man, the most important thing, how are we going to do this and keep anybody safe? Man, I, I, I don't know how you can do it and keep people safe. Yeah, I just don't see fans coming back, being able to come back until... Oh, oh Dan, right? Dan, that's, that's gone out the window. That's not even... We shouldn't even be discussing that. There's no fans coming to sporting events if we start playing again. That ain't got, that's got zero chance of happening. Because let me tell you something. I was talking to my lawyer. He says, if you guys get one of these people sick and they die or one of these players die, legally, we're going to be up a creek. Yep. Uh, I'll leave you with this. The report came out that Michael Jordan decided to do this documentary. He had all this footage. And they said that they won't release it. NBA Entertainment will not release it until Michael says that they can release it. He said no for decades. Then on the day LeBron wins the championship, you know, Clinton, he's in Cleveland, and Michael says, he tells the producer, okay, let's do this. Do you think that's just a coincidence? Or maybe it's Mike's way of saying, let me remind some people and inform a new generation of just how damn good I was. Well, I don't know the answer to that question. 
But there's a couple things about this documentary. Number one, when just looking at Michael talking to Roy Williams, talking about, I'm a nobody that's gonna work harder than me, uh, and nobody ever has. And to uh, and then when he wanted to come back and play with the broken foot, and Jerry says, "No, you're gonna risk your career." And he just wanted to play. And I wish the number one thing that these young players today get out of this documentary. You can have all the followers you want. You can make all the money you want. The most important thing is being the best player. That's what I hope these young guys get out of this. But let me ask to finish up with this. What he went through against the Bulls, that's what makes me, that's what to me makes him the greatest player ever. Uh, no disrespect to Kobe, because Kobe's the closest I've seen to, to Michael. No disrespect to LeBron, who's an amazing man, number one, an amazing player. But to get beat down like that and keep coming back, that was that reminded me like why I think this dude is the greatest basketball player ever. I mean, because the way they play the NBA today, Dan, and I'm not the old get off my lawn guy. And you said it earlier, what they did to that dude three yeah. years in a row, uh, for him to keep coming back, well, that that's what make him the GOAT. Okay, back to my question. Do you think, Michael, this was a calculated move on the day LeBron wins the championship, he decides to do it, let, allow them to do a documentary on the last year of the Bulls? How the hell am I going to know I that, I just man? ask you, I know you don't know everything, but you know Michael is the most competitive guy you've ever been around. And that it, to me, it was Michael saying, yeah, you know, LeBron's won another title here. Maybe, I, you know, let me just put this out there and just let people just remind them of how great I was. Well, let me tell you something. If that was his goal, we are reminded. <laughs> I know. And, hey, hey, and let me tell you something, Dan. <laughs> as, a, as, a person, as a person who lived the Jordan era, uh, listen, man. Uh, I can say, I'm not trying to be the old guy. You're watching these highlights bring back some serious, some serious memories how great this guy was. Sports news in sports is horrible because once you see this happening <laughs> from a fan's perspective, where do you go? The well is dry <laughs> for sure. So you try to find some information. You try to listen to things, but nothing's going on. There's nothing going on. So that's another reason I just closed down because really nothing was happening. And um, for me, my big escape was uh, building a chicken coop, to be honest with you. And now I'm going to have some chickens. Yes, I am. <laughs> Always wanted them. So now I got them. Matter of fact, I won't have to worry about running out of fresh eggs anytime soon. So that's kind of what I've been doing. Um, kind of looking forward to the Raiders season starting anytime it will. Um, looking for, forward to a game this year. If I can afford to go out to Las Vegas. Uh, seeing how that works. Who knows how that's going to work. Either way, I'd like to get my ass in a seat there. It is beautiful, and I cannot wait to go. So hopefully, God willing, I'll be able to go see the Raiders at home in Las Vegas. It'll be an epic trip for my wife and I, and we're seriously looking forward to it. So let's get to the bone line now that you know the boring story of Raider Greg. Bad to the bone. 
1-800-620-7181. It still works. Call it up. Yep, <laughs> call it up because the robocalls are freaking killing Right here it goes, the bone line, the first caller, and I don't know how since March 19th for crying out loud. Who is it? And our caller was the Prez, and you know him. Um, and the Prez is a positive man. And listen to what he has to say. I like his call. What's up, brother? Good morning, Raider Nation. Unbeknownst to me, I didn't know that there was a last podcast three weeks ago but let me first say um it's good to hear everybody um happy new year which i know that we already there but let's get down to the countdown shall we this is the prayers as you already know the state of the world is in disarray with this virus hopefully it will reside we can go about our lives everything's been pushed on hold the draft is possibly canceled et cetera, et cetera. But what can we do? We pray, we hold tight, and we see what's happening. I saw the moves that we did with getting uh, Mariota and a few um, key players. Can't wait to see what happens to the draft. And let's just see, again, as I said, what happens. You know, it's been very interesting. I've come to grips to realize that, hey, perhaps it's um, over in Oakland. However, that building is still not being built. With this virus, everything's at a standstill, but I won't open the door with that right there, you know. Um, that's a whole nother topic. But Raider Nation, Mitch Promising, hopefully we'll do better. Let's just see what happens. That's my thing. Let's just see what happens. Good to hear from you, Raider Greg, Raider Randy, the Raider Nation. Let's just see what happens. This is the prayer saying, Raiders. Yeah, have a good one. Yeah, it has been a long time, and the COVIDs, you know what's going on, man. You know everything that's going on. I hope that you're okay. Uh, I hope all the fans are okay. I'm I'm blown away. You know, I, I, I can't believe <laughs> that um, this has put such a stifling on everyone's way of life. And I'm not complaining, trust me. I'm just saying. Uh, our familiar life has changed a great deal, and in that... Um, Thanks for the call, brother. You you absolutely have a right. Praying is the right deal. Trust me on that. I hope you're doing well, brother. And the next caller, my very good brother, out of Dallas, Texas, Raider Jesse James in the house. Awesome Raider fan for days. What is happening, my good brother? What's up, Raider Greg? Raider Nation is Jesse James, Dallas, Texas. Um, I'm I'm in quarantine, as most of us are, but <laughs> I believe I came down with the virus. And I'm watching a bunch of Raider films here in the small room in my home, being isolated away from my family. And um, I decided to um, call you guys and just uh, say what's up. Um, 
haven't uh, listened to these podcasts in a while. We haven't had one, Raider Greg. Don't let us down now. But for anyone out there wondering what it feels like, it's like <laughs> an extended flu. You get the chills. That's the number one sign. Uh, second sign is the um, loss of taste. That's one thing. But um, hug your loved ones tonight. Be safe. I used every precaution I could take. I work from home. And the only thing I can think of is when I went to Walmart. I even now was <coughs> covering everything. But I'm good at the nation. I'm going to get through this. I'm lucky I'm young. I'm healthy. Um, and I think I went through the worst symptoms already. But I'm stoked for the draft coming up. And I'm stoked for what we will accomplish this year. Right away. Love you, brother. Love you, guys. Be safe. And let's go Raiders. Talk about a little reality on the Raider Nation podcast. My good brother, I pray that you're fine. I pray that you didn't have to go to the hospital. I think Randy reached out to you. I think you're better. Um, From what he said, you're better. So that's a good thing, man. God bless you. And that just goes to show you, man, right here, Raider Nation podcast. Yes, you can get it even if you're making all the precautions, even if you're taking them all. So as we open up our country, uh, let Jesse James, Raider Jesse James, uh, lay it out there. Be careful. Be safe because it's there. And even if you're taking precautions, you can get it. God bless you, bro. Thank you for calling the show, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm humbled fully. Can anyone tell me that the Prez is not diehard silver and black. Can somebody just say it? Because you'd be lying, man. The Prez calls in again. Great call. <laughs> Check it out. What's going on, Raider Nation? Raider Randy, Raider Greg. This is the Prez coming at you for the 2020. We have drafted our first two players. I'm satisfied. Um, actually, I had um, Riggs as my first choice, and I know everybody might have a different opinion. But let's just see what's going to happen on this field, you know. Remember, that was clamoring and fussing and stuff last year, but, hey, our picks end up being pretty cool, you know. I was on the fence about it. Let's just wait and see what's happening. It's a brand-new era. I'm starting out with a brand-new flavor, being positive, being upbeat. About to get ready and get back on the barge so I get a chance to catch up one more day the second, third round draft picks. Actually, I'm going to have um, the third round picks. That should be very interesting. So I hope everybody is doing good doing this um, coronavirus stand down. Get a chance to just chill out and hope the world gets back better. Until the animated nation, this is the prayers coming at you. I'm upbeat and I am ready. Let's see what we're going to get later on for the third round. Take care. Raiders. Listen, man, I wasn't so happy about the draft, but hey, man, like, it's a crapshoot. We'll see what happens. Could be the best draft we've ever had. We just have to see where we where we end up. <clears throat> and this season is a weird one. So training camp and all the stuff that we're used to and actually spoiled to have is going to be a little different. I love the positive, brother. You keep bringing it, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, you just keep bringing it. Amazingly enough, we have a first-time caller, Ray Trevor, 
out of Phoenix, Arizona. Raider Trevor, welcome to the Raider Nation podcast family, brother. What the heck is going down? Raider Greg, Raider Randy, this is my first time calling in. This is Raider Trevor out of Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, Long-time listener, first-time caller. I love the show. Lots of opinions, some I don't agree with, some that I do. Uh, The draft is over as of yesterday, and uh, uh, looks good. Um, I think everyone, uh, everyone in the last podcast seemed like they're bashing Derek Carr and sometimes uh, making Mariota sound like he's so great. I think they're pretty equal. They've had their injuries, their weird injuries, both of them. Um, weird but major in a lot of ways. Um, I think it's pretty obvious by all the wide receivers that they picked up in the draft that um, they're going all out on these two quarterbacks. And if Derek doesn't work out with them, there's no excuses. They'll move on to Mariota. If they don't move on, if uh, they both suck, maybe they'll just bench him and pick up uh, one of those leftovers like Cam Newton or Jameis Winston if we're really desperate. Uh, But Overall, um, thanks for doing the podcast. Thanks for keeping it going. And uh, it's just another little bit of uh, sports news that we can uh, sink our teeth into while everyone's uh, trying to get through this pandemic and everything. So um, keep it up. Thanks for uh, for being a part of my day. And uh, let's go Raiders. Good call, brother. Good call. I'm glad you listened. Glad you called, for sure. I know it's been a while since I've done a show, but, um, well, it is what it is. (laughs) And I'm glad you like it. Um, Opinions or not, it's always good to have everybody's opinion on here. And that's why we have the bone line. It's a pretty cool thing. Um, That's how you guys keep me in line, you know. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of going to be a weird season. We'll see about our draft picks. It's hard, man. It's hard right now. All sports are on hold. So I have nothing to say. Even though our draft, even though that whole thing we went through, I didn't do a show. I was just not into it, to be honest with you. I just couldn't do it. Uh, I wanted to see what was happening. And still, you know, we're not out of the woods in a lot of ways. So I'm doing a show because it's time. And that's all I got to say about that. Appreciate it, brother. Thanks for the call. And our next caller is Raider Tom from Minneapolis, Minnesota. What a trip that is. My heart goes out to you and your family, brother, your whole community. It is nuts. Um, It's definitely nuts around where you are. And uh, please be safe in every way. What do you have for the Raider Nation, my good brother? Raider Greg, this is Raider Tom out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yeah, the draft was last week and what, a couple days ago. I'm glad, I'm happy what we got. We got uh, Henry Ruggs and Demon Demi, uh, Damon Arnett. Henry Ruggs is uh, four four two seven in the forty combine, and uh, Arnett he actually was slow in the combine, but heard he was dealing with a hamstring hamstring injury and a few other things, but heard he's really fast. I trust uh, Mayock and Gruden. Last year we got great guys. We got uh, Khalil, the, the, the feral cat, 
Cleveland, Cleveland Farrell. We got uh, Mad Max. Max is doing an awesome job. Uh, Josh Jacobs, which he did a fantastic job until he got hurt. This year we should be doing really, really well. I trust those guys. Those guys know what they're doing. I know that the people think that we should have got CeeDee Lamb or the other um, receiver, but we, I think they knew all along who they wanted to get that speedster, Henry Ruggs. And uh, I'm looking forward to this year. It's going to be a great year. I'm looking forward to going to Vegas and watching the team play. Hopefully I'll get to see you guys down there in Vegas. I'll be flying down from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Get to see like Rilla Rilla and the rest, and the rest of the crazy cast that comes down there. All right, Raider Greg, it's Raider Tom out of Minneapolis. You have a great day, and we'll talk to you later. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, that is a great appraisal. I hope that it, the team lives up to it. I think it's going to be a little more turmoil than that this year just because of the move and everyone trying to settle in and get to feeling Las Vegas. This COVID thing also, this racial thing also, um, it's crazy, Tom. Like I said, God bless you and your family. Um, and I just, my my best wishes for the entire community you live in, bro. It's crazy. God bless you. And our next caller is the Ghost Raider. What you got for us, Ghost? What's up, Raider Nation? This is Ghost Raider. Man. I'm just sitting here in my car, and I'm like, man, is there ever going to be another rated podcast? Oh, my goodness, man. Maybe I'm not looking in the right spots. Maybe I need to get upgrade or something, but I can't find it anywhere. I'm seeing nothing but old podcasts, and I listen to the old ones just because I need some kind of Raider, Raider football something, you know. In this pandemic, and everybody, first and foremost, y'all be safe out there. All my brothers, all my my greatest sisters, y'all be y'all be safe. All right, man. It's it's nothing to play with, but you know, at the same time, you, you have your own life to live. You do whatever you got to do to live. Simple as that. But um, go back to Ra- um, Raiders stuff. I'm glad that we got a good draft. I am excited about our draft. I want to rub beginnings. From the beginning, so I let everybody jump on board later, but I've been on board. <clears throat> Out of the three, I wanted I wanted rugs. Um, on that I didn't know nothing about. We're gonna see. We had some other good ones, man. We had a good draft, guys. Um I know this kinda late. I haven't been able to talk to nobody, man. I'm just so missing the Raiders. Raider Greg, man. Won't cry, man. Won't cry. I'm gonna be a grown man crying. Please don't do this to me, man. I need a podcast. Just one. Just one. Season on its way. I see a 10 and 6. Let's get it done. Let's get go to the playoffs. Let's do what we got to do to get to the bowl. With that being said, I'm out. I freaking love that call, brother. I freaking love it, man. <laughs> Don't make a grown man cry. Well, hell, I don't make you cry, man. I want to make you laugh. That's what it's all about for me. Uh, bring some joy. Bring something. But I haven't had no information. Um, 
Yeah, not too real happy with our picks because of what was left on the table. Honestly, individually, I'm sure they're great guys, but we needed. Um, there were some picks out there, especially in the, the second, first round guy. Man, Damon Arnett. There was a lot of talent we could have got at needed places like linebacker. Well. Okay, well that's there's a I can go over a lot. We'll see what happens though, because you got to be positive. You got to be like uh, the Prez. You got to be positive, and I am. I'm positive. We got a new home. We got a new look. We got a new place, and um, I'm feeling good about our team. We got to just bust through this situation and get to the other side, brother. Get to the other side. God bless you and your family. Please be safe. And last, but certainly not least, Raider Jesse James from Dallas, Texas. Check him out. What's up, Raider Greg, Raider Andy, Raider Jesse James, calling in, man, to give you an update status. I am COVID-19 free. Last in my car, I was feeling a little down, but I was still repping. You know, I uh, isolated myself from my family for two weeks straight in the room. Um, came out, I say, after the what, 16, 17 day, um, and I went to go get retested, and uh, I have been COVID free for about three weeks now. So everything's great. Um, this year sucks, <laughs> but I'm also grateful for being alive and my family being healthy. I'm um, very unfortunate what's going on throughout the world, throughout. Everything. This call to uh, give you guys just some hope, man. Hang in there for anyone that went through what I went through. Um, COVID is no joke. People handle it different. Some people get it worse than others. But if you have it, hang in there. Um, you know, call in the bone line or, or stay in touch. Get your mind off of it. Try to think about it too much. It's half of it's a mental thing. But everybody be safe. I love you guys. Love our nation. Cannot wait for this season to start. Raider Jesse James out of Dallas. I'm out. Now that is a way to end the bone line. A success. A success story. A Raider fan right here on our little show. God bless you, bro. God bless your family. Tough ride for that disease. Uh, I got to tell you, anybody who's out there that's gotten it or had it, I've heard it's brutal. I've seen it's brutal. Um... Don't let your guard down. But uh, at the same time, man, be Raider fans. You can be excited. I'm excited. Watch some old football games. I've been watching a bunch of old Raider games. And you know what? In just a moment, just there's just a time when you just lose where you are and you travel there. And, uh, well, it's worked for me. I got to tell you that. <clears throat> hey. Thanks for listening. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for reaching out to me, Raider Greg. Um, I'm still here, and we're going to be here. We're going to try to get to Vegas this year, too. You can put the money on it. That's for sure. If they're going to have a game, we're going to try to get our ass in the seat. I'm, I'm preaching to myself on that one. So, Raider Nation, God bless you. Please be safe. Please be good human beings. And, you know, it doesn't... I, I, this phrase has been said a million times. Martin Luther King, man, you judge a man by the, the content of his character, man. My life has been 
judging somebody on the content of their character. I don't know why it's so hard, but um, it's got to get easier, man. It's got to get easier. God bless the Raider Nation, whoever and wherever and whatever hell color you are. God bless you. I am Raider Greg, and we are out. <laughs>